listeners, and welcome to the Maroon Weekly. I'm Pravam. I'm William. I'm Greg. And welcome to our 99th episode. Our next episode, the 100th episode, in fact, will be after spring break. But we'd like to hear about your stories as listeners to the podcast. Please fill out the form who's linked in the description, and we'd be happy to feature everything that you've been up to as, as listeners of the podcast and otherwise. So how have you both been lately? Uh, pretty good. Uh, last weekend, I went to the Chicago Auto Show, uh, so that was like really cool to see all the new electric vehicles uh, that are coming to market. It's a very exciting thing for me to look at. I myself have also been to the Auto Show, I guess a week before you did, and yeah, yeah actually my favorite vehicles were not the new ones, but the really old ones. There was, a, there was a car from the 1930s that they would let people sit in, and there was a very long line for that. Uh, but it was, it was a lot of fun. And then I got to test drive the Ford F-150 Lightning, the new Ford uh, electric pickup truck, and that was just like a really interesting thing to me. Uh, it's just really cool seeing electric vehicles coming to production and seeing electric trucks, like pickup trucks, coming uh, off the production line. Uh, it, was, it, was, it was a really cool experience, you know. I had no idea you guys weren't interested in auto shows. I, <laughs> I missed the uh, Chicago one this year, but before I, went, before I came here, uh, my mom and I would always go to the New York Auto Show in April, like a tradition of ours. Um, but that sounds, it sounds like it's a lot of fun. Yeah, it was. Sad I missed it. Yeah. It was like really cool. They also had like a Jeep like exhibit where like the Jeeps would go on like a super steep incline and like you could uh, ride in them while it was, it was, yeah, it was pretty inc- inc- incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not much of an auto show or a car enthusiast myself, but I go to these auto shows every once in a while. The Chicago one. And the New York one, I've I've both I've been to both of those, and I'd I'd say they're they're very mind blowing, as as you both as you both know. Yes. So if any of you listeners are ever considering, we'd all highly recommend it. Yeah. Very much recommend. How about you, Greg? My week, it was better than last than two weeks ago. I didn't have any midterms. Um, I got caught up on work. Uh, I have my last midterm. Well, we're recording this on Sunday, so this Friday. And then it's just finals week and, you know, spring break. I'm excited to go home. I love you, Chicago's distorted definition of midterm. The <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 last week midterm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that is quite impressive. Yeah, I mean, end term doesn't sound that, gri- that, that great. Yeah, um, but you, you might as well just call it, like, a very heavily weighted quiz <laughs> instead of a midterm. Yeah, they do work as hard here as I don't need to tell anybody. Oh, yes. Anyway, let's get on to some news. Our first story will be on the Grad Student Union. Yes, um, several weeks ago, UChicago's graduate student workers took to the polls to decide whether um, to officially unionize. Now, as they await results, the leadership of Graduate Students United, um, United Electrical, GSU, UE, is preparing to become a recognized bargaining union. It is a moment of transition for the union, which for over a decade has been stuck in a holding pattern with the university leadership, which the university leadership um, heatedly contested their efforts to unionize in the past. Now with recognition more likely than ever, GSU is gearing up for the hard work of operating and governing a recognized union, deciding what they want to ask for in contract negotiations, how to familiarize the union's internal democratic structures, whether or not to make union membership mandatory, and more. The election conducted in person on January 31st and February 1st by the NLRB, National Labor Relations Board, was just the first in a long line of steps uh, to officially recognize the union. The next key point is Thursday, March 16th, when the NLRB, after counting in-person and mail-in ballots, will announce the results of the election. 
After results are announced, the university and the grad student union have seven days to object to the vote, usually on the basis that the election was unfairly administrated or interfered through, uh, with through voter fraud, ballot tampering, or voter intimidation. Or, as happened after the GSU's previous vote in 2017, the university might challenge the workers' legal basis to unionize. If the measure passes, which will require a simple majority of the votes cast and no objections or appeals to the election, the NLRB will certify the union, requiring the university to treat the GSU UE as the representative of all graduate student workers. If the vote passes, GSU UE has plans to hit the ground running by electing a bargaining committee and beginning the process of negotiating with the university. Union leadership says that they are still soliciting feedback from, uh, uh, from membership about what to ask for in the um, bargaining process. It's interesting to see where the union vote will end, um, though I do expect the vote to pass, and whether or not the university will object to the union, especially considering um, how union-friendly the Biden administration is. Um, will the university have any grounds to object under this NLRB? Yeah, it, it is very interesting. I'm looking forward to see seeing what happens. Are, are either of you thinking of going to, to grad school here? I've considered it multiple times. Um, it, it depends. Do I really want to, you know, go to grad school or enter the workforce? Uh, it is it is a constant struggle. Um, but we'll see. I'm only a first year, so uh, right. I, I do have some time, I think. <laughs> yeah, and Greg and I are both second years, so we all have some time. But I'm also considering going to grad school. And if I if I do end up deciding to do that here would be one of probably my uh, one of my top choices. Uh, yeah, I think this would be a very important consideration because it might make my life a lot easier uh, to be part of a union, but it might, might not. I don't really know. Um, yeah, no. Um, if I was a grad student here, uh, I would be of the opinion that I would want a union um, just because grad students are taken for granted in a lot of places. For sure. Um, you know, paid pennies, just overworked. It, it, isn't, <laughs> it isn't the way that grad students should be treated. Um, so, yeah. I think it is interesting that um, that there's a specific clause there that's uh, that offers support to international students. Yes, I did find that really interesting. Um, you know, the legal and financial support for international student clause um, as part of their um, public platform. I'm not too certain about the um, ins and outs of how international students are treated as grad student workers. Um, but as one can only imagine, I, I do believe at times they will probably need legal and financial supports. Right, beyond the domestic. Yeah. Um, threshold, I suppose. Exactly. A lot of the grad students that I've, like TAs and, and uh, classroom interns and whatnot, have, have been international in my experience. So I've, I've really valued, like some of them have been the, the best grad students that I've come to know. So A lot of TAs that I've interacted with really just want to share their knowledge on the topic and just really want the best for students most of the time. All right, we'll, we'll move to our next story on Pollinate, the academic service. Greg is more on that. Right, so calling all students who are fed up with the ad drop process. There's a new campus startup in town that's here to help, and it's called Pollinate. Founded by fourth years Jack Ogle and John Merrill, Pollinate is an online service that simplifies ad drop and allegedly helps students get into competitive classes. Now, for our listeners that don't know, here's a bit of context. The ad drop period begins after the conclusion of pre-registration on the Monday after the last week of courses in a given quarter. During ad drop, students can drop courses they are already enrolled in and add courses that, they ha that haven't been filled to capacity. Certain courses that require instructor consent or are already at capacity must be requested. 
Most professors work with Registrar to review course requests and can manually accept students into courses at their discretion. Now, Pollinate helps students get into classes that are already filled to capacity. When AdDrop opens, students can visit its website and pay $10 per class to request live updates for when seats become available in their target courses. Once a seat opens in the class, users are notified via an, via an automated tech service. Merrill and Ogle offer another service through Pollinate, which is a custom email written on behalf of users, which can appeal to professors to manually en enroll students into classes. After chatting informally with their academic advisors, the two claim that the registrar gives professors full discretion to manually move students up and down a waitlist, even adding students to over-enrolled classes. For the full details, including what Merrill and Ogle have in store, see the full story up on the Maroons website by Arjun Mazumdar. This is pretty big news for us undergrads. I'm really fascinated in seeing how they're integrating um, kind of their technology with um, the university's registrar system or the ad drop system. I just find that really fascinating. I wonder how they're able to like kind of connect the two and see which classes have openings um, and then supply the notifications. That would have really helped me last quarter. Um, <laughs> I did an ad drop by bio class because um, there was one bio class that I really wanted and I feel like Pollinate would have helped a lot more than like checking every other hour to see because <laughs> if someone dropped the class and if I can you know add myself into it. Um, so yeah, I, I, I am excited to see um, where Pollinate goes. This is a really exciting student startup. Um, I wonder if other schools have the same ad drop system as we do. If, you know, will Pollinate grow and expand um, beyond uh, the rectilinear boundaries of the University of Chicago? Yeah, that's an interesting point. Now, my understanding is that it's based on like a web scraper, and that enables them to, you know, get data and update it in real time. Um, I've never used it, but it sounds useful. Now, I don't know if I pay $10 per course. I know it's a business and all, and they have to generate revenue somehow. Um, I'm curious as to whether that's a price students are willing to pay, whether it's prohibitive or not. I feel because it's a startup right now, they're going to have to charge those high costs because right. they have expenses, they burn cash, and they don't have that many users now. But there's a lot of fixed costs here. You know, there's, you know as, as, as more users come on to the platform, uh, they're not going to have to do much expansion of, of the technology that they already have. Um, so uh, I, I, I hope that as more students begin using Pollinate, um, that the price will um, then be driven down. Um, you know, hopefully, the, I think the sweet spot would be you know 5 to $7. That's what I'm willing to pay um, per class, but um, we'll see. And to your other point, I am curious as to how AdDrop works in, like what AdDrop equivalents are at other schools, whether it's as hectic as it is here. Yeah, well, a lot, a lot of my friends at other schools, their their registration for classes like worlds apart. Instead of our um, pre-reg system where our classes magically go into some equation and we don't end up with half the classes that we need. Um, you know, my friends at other schools kind of have this like tiered class system um, where like upperclassmen, you know, get times to pick their classes. Then, you know, third years, uh, second years, um, and then first years. Um, and normally the first years get whatever's left, normally the classes that they do need to take. Yeah, we're, we're all looking forward to seeing how, how Pollinate spreads its seeds around UChicago and perhaps outside of UChicago. Yeah. yeah, best of luck to the Pollinate team. <clears throat> we'll head back to Greg next for a story on the USG. 
Great, so let's talk about some USG changes. Over the past two years, the Undergraduate Student Government, or USG, has undergone structural change to become its own separate organization and has created a new constitution as well as new bylaws as part of that. USG representatives spoke with the Maroon about the changes since the transition in May 2021 and the goals it hopes to accomplish in the following year. Now, some highlights are that UC USG hopes to use its budget of $1.6 million uh, for this academic year to tackle issues surrounding sustainability on campus, transportation, academic advising, and course enrollment. The Committee on Campus Sustainability is currently working on making dining halls and campus coffee shops more environmentally friendly. Another important goal is renewing the free lift ride program for students beyond this academic year. USG is also attempting to address recent issues with academic advising, such as high advisor turnover and student awareness of a larger variety of majors. For the full story, see Gina Montagna's article on the Marines website. I'm very happy to see that the USG is doing something. Um, I don't feel like it's every day uh, when you hear about the USG, uh, USG's initiative. Uh, I do believe they have the Taste of Hyde Park event uh, that is coming up um, sometime soon, um, which I'm eager to see. Uh, but it's it's also great to hear that the USG is working on issues uh, that will affect the undergraduate population, uh, like making undergraduates aware of the variety of majors at hand, um, all the way down to sustainability initiatives, which uh, as doers of, of not just Hyde Park, but as residents of this world, um, I think it is important for us to watch um, how, how we're interacting with our environment. Um, I would love to see the crossovers between USG and the coffee shops, though. Um, that, that does seem interesting to me. Yeah, I can't yeah. say I've ever interacted with USG. Aside from, I think they do um, organize shuttles to and from O'Hare to campus. They do do those. those. Yeah. Those have come in clutch for a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Pravon, do you know who our 2025 representatives are? Um, I, know, I, I know two of them, I believe. Um, all right, I've heard two or three of them, but that might be old news from last year. Mm -hmm. I remember this was a very, a very high talking point for us as we were entering the school. You know, lots of campaigning for, for for USG spots. Uh, but yes, I, I believe Aya, Jordan, and Devin, but I'm not entirely sure about those names. Uh, those are the three that I am aware of. I'm also glad to see that the USG is working on revamping the lift ride service. Mm -hmm. I feel like lift rides are a very important and vital part of the uh, of, of of a lot of student experiences here, especially a lot of my friends who live uh, south of the Midway um, utilize those rides a lot more. Um, so I'm really interested in seeing. But also, um, reach out to the USG. Um, after all, the funds that they use come out of our student services fees. You know, so I think it is very important that we reach out to them. Um, and tell them how how um, we would like those those fees used and what we would like to see, because after all, um, USG is one of the few bodies at the University of Chicago that has the ear of administrators um, and is able to kind of work with them to get the results that we want. Um, so reach out to them, email them, DM them, just find any way to get to them, um, because yeah, it is important. Yeah, I mean, one thing that I would appreciate that the uh, USG might be able to put into action is allowing us to use maroon dollars for laundry funds, mm. which um, I've, I've heard the idea being thrown about, and it seems like a good idea to me. Um, I would love to use maroon bucks for laundry. Yeah, that's a good idea. I'm on board. Yeah, especially as a max resident with the extra 100 maroon bucks next quarter. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah.
Yeah. Okay. Uh, I will finish up this week's news with a story on the Turkey-Syria earthquake and UChicago's students' efforts to raise funds for that. The magnitude 7.8 earthquake in southern Turkey earlier this month, which killed upwards of 40,000 and displaced millions more in Turkey and Syria, has worried the Turkish Students Association, or the TSA, at UChicago, as well as similar student organizations all around the country. Being thousands of miles away from the catastrophe, TSA is connected with other college groups in raising money for search and rescue efforts. Here in Hyde Park, those efforts have included a bake sale in the Reynolds Club and two benefit concerts featuring Turkish music. So far, TSA has raised about $5,000, which with matched donations, raising that total to more than $10,000. Collectively, student groups around the U.S. have raised over $100,000 for the cause. TSA is still accepting donations through their Venmo at UChicagoTSA, and also the Turkish Consulate General in downtown Chicago takes clothing items, painkillers, pads, diapers, and blankets, as well as other items, to help the, to help the victims in Turkey and Syria. The article written by Bianca Jortner is available on the Maroon website. If you're able to support, um, I highly recommend that you do. Um, I went to one of the bake sales the other day, and trust me, the, the baked goods were really good. Um, so, yeah, no, it is a great cost to be given to. Indeed. The food is excellent. The music is excellent. I, I've played Turkish music before. It's lovely. And if you donate to them through Venmo, they will match your uh, donation. So I, I've donated, and... They'll, they'll double the amount of money you spend, and it's, it's a great cause. All right, with that, we will conclude this episode. I'm Pravan. I'm Greg. And I'm William. And we'll see you after spring break for our 100th episode. Thanks for listening.